Welcome. Welcome back to Getting to Nimble. We've taken a little break, but we're starting to, to move our way back. Um, my name is Bill Smoots, and I'm a pastor. And I'm Sarah Barisa. I'm a writer and a musician. I'm also a mother, and I'm here with my little new baby. And he is adorable. I know you can't see him over the the, the radio waves or, or the electronic waves or whatever way you're getting this, but, but Frankie's way cute. Oh, he is. Not that I am biased. He's a... Um... He's two months old now, and um, if you hear any noises, it's because he's hanging out. He's actually closer to the microphone than I am, so there we have it. So, so we would normally hear say, join us on the first and third Tuesdays uh, of the month as we explore how to survive and thrive in the 21st century church. We're still working on the th- survive and thrive in the 21st century church, but but first and third Tuesday is a little too ambitious for right now. So, so we'll be with you periodically. Yes, yes, indeed. We have, I've got my two little kids and you're also doing some child care. We, we have a different schedule than we normally would, or at least different than we did last fall in the normal, normal times. Being a co-first grade teacher with my wife is, is not something I expected to be doing at this stage of life, yeah. uh, but it's, um, it's very fulfilling. I got to tell Lucky you Lucky grandkid, for sure. Yeah. It stretches, it stretches some minds a little bit <laughs> in I am, way than anticipated. I have a uh, preschooler. He's four right now. And I am beyond thankful that he's four and not five because four means there's still preschool uh, daycare, you know, private daycare. And five would have been, oh, mom who works full time and has a new baby gets to do all the things. Yay. So I'm small blessings, right? Or large right. blessings. Right. Maybe. So Sarah, do you want to tell folks what we're talking about today or what we're going to try and talk about today? Yeah, we're going to do a little update, which we're starting it on, and talk about COVID fatigue. We're going to address uh, a little bit of our how our surge capacity is, um, is, is it gone? And yeah, where, where we are right now, where we are in our churches right now, I'm at the tail end of maternity leave and you're plugging away at I'm just there. whatever you're doing. I guess I'll hear about it. Yeah, you're, you're just there. Um, yeah, so for me lately, you know, I have this new baby, yay, and he's lovely and he sleeps. Thank God. It's amazing. I love a new baby who actually doesn't get up every 45 minutes. It's um, astonishing how well you can think when you get some complete sleep cycles. So I'm thankful for that. And I have been on maternity leave since the middle of August. But the way that I did that, instead of taking, I think I could take like eight weeks off straight, but what I did instead was take it off as like a part-time thing. So I am doing plenty of work right now, but not full-time. And it's been a great thing to keep me engaged. I've been joining staff meetings. I'm prepping the budget for 2021, um, all that fun stuff. But I haven't had the full weight of I need to show up to choir rehearsal every Thursday night or those types of things. Choir rehearsal on Zoom, I should say. Um, and so that's been a really nice thing for me to like get back into things. I'm working on Christmas, not what I anticipated. Um, but you know, those, those kinds of things where I'm, I've been able to ease my way back into work. And I think it's probably also made things a lot easier on my colleagues because it hasn't been the like, no, don't talk to her. She's on leave. You know, there's Mm -hmm. a a much more, you know, Mm -hmm. and I told them ahead of time, I was like, you know, if I can't talk to you, I won't answer the phone, but you know, feel free to call me and that's fine. And I, I feel like that's worked out really well for us. And so yay to the nimbleness of that congregation for having a, a personnel policy that offered that kind of flexibility. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, not, only, 
opportunity leave, but some some ability to move around mm-hmm. within that. And yeah. I know you. Yeah, I've really appreciated you it. Argue to 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 create that in the policy, mm-hmm. but, but yeah. Um, I think that's been a wise choice for that congregation and might serve other congregations. Mm-hmm. Better. Yeah, well, it's worked really well. I know a, a number of people where it's just like been a hard and fast, here's the thing and you're gone. And it's like, well, you know, for some jobs, of course, that's how it has to be because you're a surgeon and you can't like exactly, you know, show up via telephone or, you know, whatever it is. But, but for the kind of work that I do, it's worked out really well to have this ramp back up into work. And and I'm also aware that your congregation has been calling a new pastor. Yes, uh, yes, yes. It's super exciting. And that, that again, this flexibility has given you the ability to participate in that a little bit. Uh-huh. Yeah, that was one thing when I was like putting together a document for people ahead of time, like, here's how I think things should go. It was like, yes, of course I want to show up and meet the candidate. Uh, yes, please. Um, this person will be my supervisor. I do want to meet them. Um, and it's been really, a really interesting process, um, seeing how things worked when we weren't doing anything really in person, except for some outdoor stuff, but then realizing per the bylaws, we had to have in-person, uh, uh, neutral pulpit experience in person, um, candidate and like call weekend type stuff. Um, voting had to be on site. So people were allowed to be in the cars in the parking lot, but they couldn't like, you know, be at home or something. And so that was a really interesting thing, kind of watching the logistics of how, how they made that happen. And, and it, as far as I can tell, it went really well. I mean, I heard they had some great organ music to send them on their way. Um, that's a joke. I was the one playing the organ. Um, <laughs> of course it was great, Sarah. No, but that's another nice thing about having a flexible maternity maternity leave. I haven't been doing most of the music for the services. There were a couple recordings that I made a while ago that have been used. But by and large, other people have been doing this music for the online worship. But, you know, the, we haven't had in-person worship in the sanctuary since March. If I can possibly show up and do the music, yeah, I want to. I, I, I want to see these folks. Um, and so I did, and we made it happen. And my mom babysat my two little kids because my husband was doing his doing his thing at the hospital, and you know that I, I was I was so delighted to see folks. Um, I was like, okay, don't cry, don't cry, don't cry. Your job is to give them the good music. Don't cry. <laughs> <laughs> but but I I can understand why people were because I think we're oh all yeah there there were definitely people crying. We're we're, mm-hmm. we're worn out with oh yeah COVID and and all the, the changes it has required and continues to require of us. Where are things with you, Bill? Well, I, I, was, I wanted to pick up on the, the congregational meeting piece. Yeah. Uh, my congregation, I'm, I'm there as an interim, so they're not, but they're not ready to, they haven't formed a search committee, they're not ready to call anybody, but just trying to have um, an annual meeting, which they do each November, oh. um, is... Yeah. is really proving to be challenging and and they've been doing some great creative work on how can we offer an in-person and zoom and make it all work and and what do we have to do to the bylaws um mm-hmm. to do that and and so they've 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 done some good work on that um and and where i'm worrying is because this meeting still you know towards the almost the very end of november um is that you know, will we be shut down by then again, given the, the, yeah. the growing numbers? And will enough people feel comfortable coming? 
because right now what I'm seeing is is there's a group in the congregation who's ready to be there anytime the doors are open and and a group that's just not ready to be in for their own safety for um, safety of, of elderly parents that they care for or a spouse that has several medical issues that, that you know, COVID would not be for. And, and folks are really struggling with that. And, and, and some folks who've, who've ended up having COVID immediately in their family or in their family systems and have had their minds changed when they've oh, seen uh, yeah. felt the effects of it. And, and so I was saying, gosh, well, couldn't we just do a, a, a total Zoom congregational meeting? Could, could we have a special meeting to, to make the change to the bylaws so we could have a Zoom meeting? And the answer came back was, no, the only way to change the bylaws is in a called congregational meeting. Yeah, that, that's what happened where, where I'm working, where I was like, well, we have to have the pastoral candidate in person on site with voting on site because it's effectively the same as like getting everybody together to change the bylaws. Like we're going right. to have to be in person one way or the other, legally speaking. Right. And and so, you know, and, and, and I think folks are, are, you know, trying to be as creatively creative as they can and, and solve this in a way that involves as many people from the congregation participating. But I think one of my learnings out of this, um, and, and it's probably because we only have a pandemic every hundred years or so, thank God, um, is, is that we've got to look at things like bylaws and, mm -hmm. and build some greater flexibility into them. And it's not just because of the new technologies that offer us new ways to get together we've never had before. It's, it's because we don't know what's coming next. And, and if, if we're working so hard to be orderly that, that we just hem ourselves in with bylaws, at some point that's not gonna serve us well. Mm -hmm. and, 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 and you know I think about the fact that we're, we're in the midst of a time where we're really moving beyond the idea of membership for yeah. a lot of people. Mm -hmm. and, and so for churches, you know, I'm in a UCC church as, as are you, but even in uh, the Presbyterian tradition in which I'm ordained, you know, everything when it comes to doing the official work, the governmental work of the congregation is based on membership. Yeah. You have to have yeah. members voting, you have to have members serving. And, and so what's it going to mean as we, you know, we'd already started moving beyond membership. And I think COVID is just going to accelerate that whole idea. So how do we create bylaws going forward that will allow us to be a healthy functioning church with, without the constraints of membership perhaps? And, and, and are there other constraints besides membership we need to think about? This is something I think about sometimes because my husband and I are not members of a congregation. But he and I pledge money to a congregation, him more specifically, but he's not a member because he's not a member of that denomination and doesn't feel like becoming a member of that denomination. And Catholicism goes deep. Um, and it's interesting to think about denominationally, like I'm sure we're not the only people where it's like, well, you know, I go to this church, but I'm not really necessarily like, oh, I'm going to wave my flag to be part of this denomination. Because I think a lot of people in my generation are like, uh, eh, denomination, not my thing. Like, and again, you know, I have a PhD. I understand why we have just done denominations, blah, 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 Christianity, yay. But in the practical, like lived experience, where are you going to take your kid to church? You know, it doesn't really, really, really matter which denomination you're in. Correct. 
correct. And, and, and I think it really is a generational shift. Mm-hmm. And it's not just, oh, it's the millennials coming through and, and then we'll shift back. It's like this whole idea of membership um, or joining, yeah. um, whether it's church or Kiwanis or Rotary or, yeah. or you know, fill in the blank, whatever it is, that is, is very much a system that is going away. Yeah. And, and so oh. how, how, do we, how do we address that? Yeah, and how do you do governance in a yeah. in a system like that? Now, I would be we should do a podcast episode on this, like uh, churches that already have this type of thing. I'm I'm curious. I'm I'm sure there are even historically some denominations that don't have membership. And how do they how do they decide on stuff? I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Well, and this is where where I want to where where people will want to take my my official card carrying Presbyterian status away from me. <laughs> but I honestly think that the denominations that have the best chance for survival um, as Christianity continues to move forward in the 21st century in America are those that have bishops. Um, oh, yeah, 100%. Ultimately, somebody can make a decision. Um, and it, and it, you don't have to rely on a body of people to, to make that decision. And, and it's, it's because, you know, not only are bodies more divided as, as we're more divided as a country and, and particularly politically, but, but there are enough people uh, or, or, you know, there aren't enough people in systems that, um, you know, struggle to get quorum. I know what my presbytery requires for a quorum. So many teaching elders, pastors, so many ruling elders, members of local churches. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that gets tough sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the UCC um, association, here in the St. Louis area um, was not able to have an official fall meeting um, as they did not get enough um, pastor members able to participate in the Zoom. They met, but but any action, they couldn't take any official actions uh, because they didn't have a quorum. Um, So so what's that going to mean at all sorts of levels of the church going forward? I want to I want to drop in how we did this meeting, and then we should talk about our fatigue because the fatigue okay. is real. I, I think I think I, probably the church where I am is not the only one that has thought about how to do these meetings. And what the um, what they ended up doing was we had in person. You had to sign up. You had to distance. It was it was a very intense process. The doors were open. It was a beautiful day. There was like this beautiful breeze that I'm sure was terrible for the piano, but man, it sure felt good. But then they also had an FM radio. So people in the parking lot, so they were on site of the church, they could listen in their cars and they had a live stream so people could zoom in again from their cars, like just on their phones. And that satisfied like the legal requirements, but it was like three different ways that you could. Oh, and then there were people who wanted to be on site, but were in the balcony, a couple people who are immune compromised. Um, and it was like, it was so well thought out, but also this whole, like, how do you do something that satisfies the legal requirements of calling. Correct. Yeah. Correct. So. Well, we know we have to get a quorum number physically present in the church building. Oh, really? Yeah. And, okay. and then, and then we can do zoom. Uh, we haven't, we've chosen not to go the FM route in the parking lot um, and hopefully do it mostly by zoom, but we have to have that number of 50 people in the building. Um, doesn't all have to necessarily be in the sanctuary. Some okay. could be in the sanctuary, some could be in another space where we can broadcast from. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so so it's, it's a lot of work thinking through it. And, and, and I'm grateful for those doing the work and the creativity. Um, but I think we can't just stop 
with that creativity. Oh, we got this problem solved. Mm -hmm. um, I think there are just others waiting for us now. Oh, I bet. And, and those need to be addressed as well. So you want to talk about fatigue? Yeah, let's talk about fatigue. Do you, can you pull that article off the top of your head or? Oh, sure. I, I bet many of the folks listening right now have read this. Your surge capacity is depleted and why you feel awful. And the, bluntly. Yeah, and the author is Tara Hale, or Haley, H-A-E-L-L-E. And I will post a link in our show notes. Yeah. And I apologize. I've, this. I've, I've just seen it all over, all over the internet. So it's like, oh, this is what I'm feeling. This is what happened. I had this surge capacity. So what the author is arguing is, you, ha you have this potential to like run away from the cheetah. You have this room, this, this little extra bit of reserve that, that you can, you know, this extra fat on your body. I have, I have a few pounds. Um, and, you know, you can, you can handle distress for a while, but you eventually reach the limit of your surge capacity. And what she's arguing is six months or so into the pandemic in the United States, we have maxed out of our surge capacity. And now we're having to figure out another way to live because we can't continue you know, treading water, so to speak. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and that not only are there individual implications, you know, kind of how we're handling things psychologically, individually, and, and um, just functioning in our day-to-day -day life, but then there are also corporate implications for, you know, how we function as, as a business, as a church, uh, in, in other organizations with which we're involved. Um, and, and that the capacity has run out and we've got to come up with some new um, ways of thinking and acting um, or, or we're just going to you know, go poof in little balls of flame uh, and be done. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. um, and, and by poof little balls of flame, I think we're talking about situational depression. Situational depression, running, screaming into the night, um, yeah. you know, yeah, any and all. Um, yeah, alcoholism. <laughs> yeah, well, all the above. For congregations where, where at least in, in the situation I'm observing, um, there's, there's this clear division of, of camps where some people feel safe being out or, or feel they have to be out. Um, and sometimes that's, that's just for their sanity. Um, sometimes it's because it um, is the only way they can live their political identity um, in, in yeah. this day and age. And then other people don't feel safe going out. Um, they, they're taking care of elderly parents and they don't want to do anything to affect them. Or, or they've had COVID in their family system, whether that's their immediate household or the larger system, and, and they have a whole different perspective than they once did. Um, and so there's this division between these two groups um, and, and how that carries out, I don't know. Yeah, um, how to be in, a, be in community together with that. Yes, yes. And, and, and I think a lot of churches were struggling to be in community to start with. And, and that the COVID time has, has really pressed that ability worse. And, and if we take the premise of this author that we have run through our, our surge ability, um, that, that, that that energy is depleted, and I think she's right on target, what's next? Um, how, and how do we handle it creatively? Um, so, Bill, what do you think? What's next? 
Well, I, I, I think what's next is going to be our third peak in this first surge of coronavirus. Uh, and it may be a peak that lasts all winter long, unfortunately. Um, and, and so that's going to be, you know, more, more lockdown or more at home time. Um, long winter nights, uh, <laughs> not, not getting out, answering children's questions, all those things. Um, but but what, I, what I find myself consistently trying to say to me and to those I serve is, Give yourself some grace. Um, don't, don't feel you've got to be in control of it all. Don't pretend you can do it all. Um, I, I'm trying to say this to my staff as well, because I see how stressed they are, particularly those that have small children at home that they're trying to educate or, or oh, yeah. deal with more, more hands-on. Um, and, and I don't see how we survive this together if we can't extend ourselves some grace. And I don't mean to be, uh, you know, oh, there's a simple, easy answer. This is not easy stuff. Oh, this it's is, hard. This, it's hard to give that to grace. This, yeah. is, this, is, this is costly grace financially and spiritually and emotionally and relationally. But if we can't give ourselves some grace, um, if we can't rely on the abundance of God's grace to sustain us through this time, um, I think we're in deeper trouble than we realize. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I I have been fortunate to see that on a congregational level. I know that I have colleagues that have really been put through the ringer in terms of, and, and in some cases lost their jobs um, because they weren't the highest on the totem pole or what have you. Um, but I've been really thankful where I am to be experiencing grace. And I, I hope this doesn't sound weird, but like praise, like, oh, we really appreciated X, Y, Z, which matters a lot when you're not in person. Because I feel like part of the fatigue is just about you're putting stuff out, you're putting stuff out, but you're not getting that back and forth. You're not you're not seeing the facial expressions. You're not you're not getting a hug. Those kinds of things that just kind of you know they round out your life. And yeah. kind of where we are right now is a very skinny, um, skeletal uh, way of doing things. Like it, it doesn't have the it doesn't have a nice. Maybe, maybe this is me as a musician, but like, it doesn't have that nice in-person. It's not warm. It's not um, comfortable. It's not, it's, it's like bare bones kind of. We've been back in, in, we've been doing in-person worship since June. Mm -hmm. Most of that's been outside the last four weeks. We've been back inside on a Saturday night and we started this last Sunday back inside on the Sunday morning. And, and it, it's, it's wonderful in some ways to be able to worship like that, but you know, everybody has a mask on. Uh, if you weren't sure who they were without a mask, you're certainly not going to know who they are with a mask. And, and then everybody's ushered in, seated, and then everybody waits at the end to be ushered out. Yeah. So there's appropriate social distancing. And as a pastor, I'm not seeing anybody at the door. I'm not oh. getting to meet with anybody. Yeah. And any of those things that, that, you know, are, are the tools that, that I've learned to use over the years kind of as a check-in on, on the health of the congregation. And, and, and it's, and, you know, people often say, oh, nice sermon or this and that. And that's nice. It's not, you know, it, but, but I'm realizing, oh, I'm missing that because even, even if I'm just assuming that that's not a hundred percent valid feedback, um, it's still some feedback. Um, and, and so, you know, that's, that's just gone. I would assume for a musician, um, there, there may not be a lot of people 
um, staying to clap at the end for um, the, the postlude or, or emailing to say, awesome job this morning. Um, and, and, and so that immediate feedback just isn't there for any of us. Yeah, or this sense of like we're doing something together. And I really like the online worship that we're doing in the congregation where I'm working. But it's, I mean, to state the obvious, it's not the same as doing it in person together. Um, and that, that contributes to the fatigue. Um, and, you know, tired as I am with a newborn, because th that's a whole nother kind of fatigue. Um, but I have been so thankful to have this break. Um, I didn't, I took some vacation time earlier in the year, but I still produced all the music for the services. And so I hadn't had a break since, oh, I know, since I had the flu in January and um, had to call in a sick, a sick day the day before. Um, so yeah, that was my last Sunday off. Um, and this has been really nice to for real have Sundays off, for real have choir off, not because I don't love this, but because if you do that every single week or, you know, I'd have a quote unquote vacation and I'd have to work really hard the weeks prior. And then I still couldn't take the time off because it, it just, doing stuff online just requires so much, so much more, um, so much more project management basically that, you know, just having this time, I'm like, oh, I don't have to keep up with everything right now. I don't, I've, I've really been given a gift that I um, didn't know that I needed um, to, to even like think create creatively. I feel like um, part of this fatigue, this surge capacity is we don't have the downtime to be, to, you know, to dream, to, to think of the new stuff, to even think like, well, what could we be doing? Like, what, what can we do right now? Um, if, if you're at the brim, you don't have any space I mean, you know, you know me, I always come back from vacation with like, I have like six ideas of amazing things we could do. Um, but I need that vacation time. Bill's laughing because he knows this is true. And probably five of the six are not actually great ideas. But you know, uh, I like to dream. I like to plan stuff. When I worked with Sarah and we knew she was coming back from vacation, the rest of us would just take that first day off. So that, <laughs> <laughs> that's not true. Watch but out for you the whirlwind. You've always come back with lots of good yeah, ideas. But having, I think the bigger point here is like that downtime, you got to have it. And I feel like even now, like, you know, I'll take my walks or whatever. I'm having, I, I guess what I mean is prior to having a for real downtime of like, I'm taking care of an infant that occupies a huge amount of everything. Um, but prior to that, it's, I was trying to give myself downtime. I was trying to, you know, take a walk and all those things that they say, you know, like that kind of stuff. But uh-uh, like I was at the max, completely at the brim. And now I feel like creatively, I've had a little breather. I'm still pretty maxed out. Someone asked me the other day, how are you? And I'm like, beleaguered. I feel beleaguered constantly. Um, but creatively speaking, I feel like having had this break has been really, really good, good for me. One of the things that I, I worry about with my the members of the congregation I'm serving, and, and this and this surge fatigue is is I see that I mean, they're fatigued in their lives whether whether it's yeah. you know it, it's it's parents with small children it's it's grandparents taking care of kids it's just or or trying to to lead a, a professional life that's twice as difficult at least as it was uh -huh. beforehand and and then when they get to church stuff they're 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 just so fatigued that that um, they don't have the energy or the creativity to 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 kind of help think church out of this unless it's a Herculean effort you know you've got it and a focused effort okay let's get together and fix this 
um, specific thing versus just I, right now I feel like there's so much creativity that's demanded of all of us and, and it's just not there. And I don't want people to feel guilty for not having that energy. Yeah. I, I, I want to provide some, some, some care and compassion for them, but that's tough. Um, I, I, I find that, that some in the community are, are, you know, are, are, are exhausted and others aren't that exhausted or aren't or, or won't acknowledge their exhaustion and want to keep pushing on. And so there's just more grinding against each other. And I, I hate that um, as, as we try and go forward together as a community and, and, um, and, and see the need for just some more generous space for, for people. Um, you know, let's, we, we may not get through this this year as a church. Let's slow down. Um, let's use our time to check in with each other and, and stay connected as human beings rather than powering through a meeting agenda. Mm -hmm. um, those kinds yeah. of things. But that's, that's a hard sell. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I think what you're saying about people having very different experiences is also part of this because if you're someone who, um, I, I know actually a number of retired folks who are having a pretty good time. Their life is pretty much the same. They're still, still going out. They're still, still doing the things that they want to do. Um, you know, maybe they're not getting on an airplane, but they're still, still doing their thing. And it, I would imagine it's very difficult to like have the empathy for folks who are having a really, really hard time right now, because it's like, well, I mean, yeah, I have to wear a mask, but it's not that bad. But yeah. you know, if you're home with your, your three elementary school kids and your, and you're working full time and, and, and like, you know, they're, they're such radically different experiences, which, which maybe is like highlighting something that's always true for us, but that we don't always acknowledge, like just how different our lives are. Um, and we don't always, um, we don't always take that into account when we're interacting with each other and don't always give each other that grace that we should be doing. Yeah. The, the author had a, had a quote that really struck with me. Um, she was talking to um, a family therapist and, and retired professor from the University of Minnesota, Pauline Boss. And Boss says, it's harder for high achievers. The more accustomed you are to solving problems, to getting things done, to having a routine, the harder it will be on you because none of that is possible right now. You get feelings of hopelessness and helplessness, and those aren't good. And, and I think so yep. many... So many church leaders are, are those people that are used to, to getting things done in their personal life and their professional life. And they're going to do that at church too. And, and it just, or, or church staff members um, that, that are, are used to that. I'm just going to you know, put this on my back and we'll slog through it. And, and it's just not possible. And, and with that lack of possibility comes frustration, hopelessness, helplessness, anger, anxiety, mm -hmm. fear, you know, fill in the blank. Mm -hmm. um, it's all there. And, and that can really get in the way. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't think that we have solutions so much as like pointing out, like, like naming it. And by naming it, we can often say like, oh, I see where this, this fear is coming from. I see where this anger is coming from. And it doesn't fix it so much as diffuse it, I think. Diffuse it. I was going to use the word demystify. Um, yeah. we, we, you know, we don't know, we don't understand why, this is happening. And, and you're right. If we can name it, then it's no longer a mystery. Um, and at least we can kind of go, okay, we point to it. Um, maybe that. And, and sometimes it does alleviate things. Like I'm thinking of my like 
hmm, it's 2.30 in the afternoon and I feel like the world is ending. This happens every day. Oh, at two o'clock, I'm having some coffee. Maybe I shouldn't caffeinate myself like this. <laughs> but I, I, I realize, you know, that that is a fixable problem. And I'm- That is a good realization, Sarah. I'm more, more, more. Oh, right? I'm like, wow, I just, I just, my heart is pounding and the world is ending. And I just, this is horrible. Now, because I have about 30 years on you age-wise, let me just offer the advice that it just gets worse, oh. uh, caffeine, and, and oh. that, that time where you have to cut it out of your life in a given day just keeps getting earlier. Oh, <laughs> uh, things to look forward to, right? Right, right. So. Um, but but in a in the this bigger picture world, like yeah, okay, we can't cut out the pandemic much as we would like to. Like like this isn't a fixable problem. Um, it is still a problem where if you know what you're dealing with, if you know why, have a sense of why you're feeling like you are, that can be really really helpful. Yeah, yeah, and and I find that when I call us or remind us that we're doing some of these hard things and things we don't like to help keep each other safe mm -hmm. and to help our community around us, not just the church community, but, but the community in which the church sets be healthier, that people kind of get it. Mm -hmm. and, and that call to our better nature, um, our, our, our higher angels, um, is, is often something that people can get behind. Like knowing that loving your neighbor is a hard thing often. Yeah, but that it's doable. Mm -hmm. I keep telling my husband, this isn't bad. This is just hard. Um, mm -hmm. And I'm mostly speaking about being mostly a solo parent of two children. Um, <laughs> my husband is gone. But I think in general, this, this pandemic for many of us, I mean, for many of us has been bad also. But for many of us, it's hard. And yeah. if we can name that, that can help us as we get through something that's much harder than anything we've gone through or most things we've gone through before. So y'all, that's it for this week's installment of Getting to Nimble. And again, normally we'd have new episodes on the first and the third, but we are still riding out that maternity leave, that a uh, teacher of first grade lifestyle. Um, so we'll see when we're back again. But importantly, you can find show notes at sarah Bariza. And if you like the show, would you review it wherever you listen to podcasts? I'm Sarah Bariza. And I'm Bill Smoots. Until next time, keep it nimble, but keep it legal. Amen.